Well, good morning. Happy New Year. And a very happy 150 years of the greatest country in all the world, Canada. I uh, want to say that uh, there's an older pastor here. I won't mention him by name. That's older than me. And uh, we have over 100 years of ministry between us. Now, that is not consecutive. That's concurrent, if you understand that. But uh, it's great to be here in the house of the Lord this morning. And I want to say that I am humbled when I, when I think of all the great preachers who have stood where I'm standing right now, I feel greatly humbled but also honored to be able to share with you on this very significant day, the first day of the year, of the year 2017. Now, 2017 doesn't really resonate with us as being very significant. Although my wife, and she told me not to mention her name, so I'm not going to mention her name, but uh, she did say that 2017 has the number seven in it, and that's God's number. And if God be for us, who can be against us? So it's a good year already. Amen. But you know, some years seem to be more significant than others. How many remember Y2K, the year 2000? You remember that. It was kind of weird, wasn't it? I mean, you know, it's got to be pretty bad when they shut down the ferries to Newfoundland. That's really bad. But uh, a couple years ago when my late sister uh, went to be with the Lord, we were down in Nova Scotia cleaning out her uh, house, and uh, she was the first of the hoarders. She was a pack rat. Everything that ever came into the house except for postage stamps, stayed there. And what she did with the postage stamps, she cut them out and put them in a box, and I had to pick them up and bring them up to Le Bon Nouvelle. And, and it was a way of supporting the ministry there. But when we started going through the debris that was in the house, uh, we found some weird things. We found enough bottled water to float the Titanic. Well, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but probably the blue nose too. We found canned goods that had a best before date of, you know, anyway, they would poison you if you ate them. So uh, she had a kerosene heater. You remember those kerosene heaters you used to have? You put it in the middle of your room. And those things would as asphyxiate a family of 10 in about 20 minutes. So I don't know what kind of survival she was thinking about. But, you know, we go through these times when some years are more significant than others. But I want you to know this morning that if you will take a hold of and live out four principles that I'm going to share with you this morning, 2017 could be the most significant year of your life to date. Amen. I, I did have 10 principles, but uh, I figured that if I did 10, that people in here would be getting hot under the collar, and the pizza in the atrium would be getting cold. So that wouldn't work. 
So there are four things that I want you to know, four things I want you to live by, four principles that will help you in the year 2017. And the first one is this. And these are simple because I'm a simple person, okay? And by the way, let me say this, that uh, if you see me twitching like this, it's just this thing on the side of my face. You see, I like to be in the woods, and every once in a while, I, you know, I'm going through thick bush, I come up against uh, branches and that, and I have to turn my head so I don't get a uh, branch in the eye. So I'm not used to this thing on the side of my face, so if I start to go funny, it's okay, okay? I don't have a tick or anything, it's just... Because I have good periphery vision, you understand that. But anyway, the one thing I want you to know this morning that is, there's one thing that makes me nervous, very nervous, and that's when people get quiet. So don't get quiet on me this morning, okay? Amen. You can shout, you can jump, you can do anything you want. The first thing is this. The first principle is very simple. You can do it. So do it. I want you to know this morning that God wants you to pursue your dream. He wants you to go for it. He wants you to start moving. Miracles are for the movers. And we have some scripture about a bunch of people who begin to move and something happened. Joshua chapter 3, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites went out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out, move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Let me tell you, 2017 is reasonably new at this point. We're in day one. And you don't know which way your life is going to go. You don't know how your life is going, what turns and twists in your life. But if you follow the purpose and plan of God for your life, I believe miracles will happen. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at the flood stage during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of Jordan. And all Israel passed by until the whole nation completed the crossing on dry ground. Now, if you don't believe that the backing up of the water, the damming up of the water by the hand of God was a miracle. I want you to know the fact that they walked over on dry ground was a bigger miracle 
because I have stood in that Jordan River, and I tell you, it would take a week at least of hot sun for that to be dry ground. And that's discounting those big, long catfish that are there, those slimy catfish. So you can imagine that here we are, and these people are walking over on dry ground. You see, miracles are for movers. And until you step out of the boat, you will never walk on water. Until you get up and do it, it will not get done. Until you begin to understand that uh, faith is movement. You know, you've heard it said, and some preachers have said it, and maybe I've said it before, that uh, when the tide comes in, all the ships in the harbor rise with the tide. That's not true. That is not true. Some of you here this morning, listen to me, some of you here this morning are so mired down, you're so anchored down into the muck and the mire of negativity, and I can't do it, and there's no way that I can get out of this trap that I'm in. Some of you have unforgiveness. Some of you uh, just have given up this morning, and you're mired down, and even if the tide of God's blessing comes in, your ship is not going to rise unless you get up and do something and cut those anchors loose and allow God by his spirit to move in your life. You can do it. You can do it. You can move. You can write that letter. You can make that apology. Some of you can write a book. You need to do. You need to take those steps, whatever it is, whatever God is laying on your heart, some things that have kept you back that held you from being all that God intended for you to be. This morning, God is saying to you, you can do it, and so do it. Get up and do it. Mark Twain said uh, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones that you do. Throw off the bowline, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, and discover. Miracles are for movers. Even God can't steer a parked car. So get up, shake off those heavy bands, and lift up those holy hands and say, by the help of God, I'm going to do something this year. I'm going to be something that I've never been before. If you look at the Faith Hall of Fame, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith, Abraham looked for a city. By faith, Jacob blessed. By faith, Noah obeyed God and built an ark. You see, the miracle is in the moving. And you have to move. You have to make that step. You have to say, by God's help, I'm going to do it. The second principle I want you to notice this morning is you don't have to do it alone. You are not alone. God will send the right people into your life for the right time, for the right purpose. And we have an example of this in the book of Exodus. Chapter 4. And in the first verses of uh, Exodus chapter 4, Moses is arguing with God. He says, God, I, I can't do this. I mean, he's talking to God. 
And I believe that God is saying to Moses, give your head a shake. What is wrong with you? I talked to you. My presence was revealed to you in the burning bush. You just threw down your staff and it became a snake and you picked it up again. You put your hand into your cloak and when you took it out, it was leprous. And when you put it back in, it became clean. Moses, what's wrong with you? And then Moses said, God, I, 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 I do it, but I, I can't talk. I have a problem. I have a speech problem. And God speaks to Moses again, and he says, Moses, where have you been? You know, this guy, Aaron, has been with you. He's been doing all the talking for you ever since you've been born. He's the spokesman of the family. You see, God always has somebody. It says, but Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? You know, he speaks well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will help you both to speak, and he will teach what you, what, what you want him to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if it were your mouth and if it were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. You see, folks, this morning, you may be saying, well, you know, yes, there are things that I'd like to do. There are actions that I would like to take, but I just can't do it on my own. Thank God for those people that come alongside of you. Thank God for people in small groups who can be an encouragement to you. If you have an addiction, thank God for Celebrate Recovery. If you're going through grief, you can go to Grief Share. There are people that will come alongside you to help you to be victorious, to help you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. You are not alone. God's people are here. They love you. They care for you. They'll lift you up when you fall down. They'll encourage you when you're broken. They'll strengthen you when you feel weak. It's great to have God's people. And I want you to know this morning that as one of the pastors on this staff, that I appreciate you because you helped me do the work that God has called me to do. I could not do it without you. You're so important in God's kingdom. But not only do we need people to come alongside of us to help us through our struggles, but also you are to come alongside people and help them in their struggles. You know, another saying that uh, we have heard in church, and I don't want to blow all these out of the water, so I only have two, but uh, is this, that God has created us, created us with a God-shaped vacuum on the inside that he wants to fill. Well, I don't think that's true. Okay? Here's why. The Bible says that we were created in the image of God. So I believe I believe that really 
If you really want to know what you're like, you're like a culvert. You see, you're like a conduit. The old hymn writer said, uh, his love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundaries known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. And so here this morning, let me tell you this, that God has created you so that all of the blessings of the heaven world, all the riches that are inherent in the person of Jesus Christ would flow through you to other people. You see, as a conduit of God's presence, here's what happens. When God's love flows through you, a little bit of it sticks on the side going through. So as God's love flows through you, you become more loving. As God's grace flows through you, you become more gracious. As God's mercy flows through you, you become more merciful. And I want to stop at that point for a moment. Because I, I've heard uh, some Christians, nobody here in this house this morning, but I've heard some Christians say, you know, about people, and you know that I work with some of the, the, the worst of the worst criminals that you can imagine who have done horrendous things in their lives to people. And I've heard Christians, and I'm using that word kind of loosely, say, you know, lock them up and throw away the key. But you know, that virus, they didn't catch that from Jesus. Because Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I don't know about you, but I was guilty. I had nothing to say. They were coming to take me away. I should have suffered and died in disgrace. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. So when you dispense mercy, mercy sticks to you and you become merciful. Now let me say something about social media this morning to all of you errands who are in the room. All of you have been called to bless other people. All of you have been called to support other people. Let me talk about social media for just a moment. Because we're all on Facebook, or most of you are. I am. I am. I have to admit that this morning. Let me tell you, one hug, one hug is better than a million tweets. Amen? One phone call, one phone call to somebody to say, I love you, I care about you, I think about you, is better than a thousand posts on Facebook. Amen? And Shirley Gorvet's here this morning. She's a champion hugger. You know that this power in touch. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. Don't be afraid to be there for people. The old hymn writer sit down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter. Feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart and wakened by kindness. Chords that were broken will vibrate once more. This morning, we need to touch people. We need to be there for people. You are not alone. We are not alone. And we need to understand 
that God will help us. Thank you, Shirley. Amen. <laughs> Thirdly, Thirdly, and, and these things seem like they're disjointed, but, you know, they'll all come together as we understand God's purpose and plan for us. There will be enough manna, manna for today. And I'll explain that in a moment. But Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Now, back in the book of Exodus, you know the story. The children of Israel in the wilderness, and they're complaining. They're, they've got no food. It's bad. You know, we get these calls here in the church uh, at least two or three a week, people needing food, and most of the time we're able to help them. But you can imagine a couple million people complaining about no food. And you know the story. God sends manna from heaven, and it's there on the ground. But he has some explicit conditions. He says, you only must take enough for today. Just enough for today. Then, of course, the boys decided that, hey, you know, if we go out Monday and we pick double, we won't have to bother going on Tuesday. And that's what they did. And you know what happened. It turned bad on them. They got sick. It was just a mess. And some of you are going to be able to relate to this because some of you may be in that mess this morning. But I want to read to you, first of all, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, because Jesus addresses this issue. He says, therefore, verse 25 of chapter 6, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you, about your body, what you will wear. It is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, I want you to get this, can add a single hour to his life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, Will he not more, much more clothe you? Or saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow Tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough, enough trouble in its own, of its own. You see, God's grace, God's mercy is the New Testament manna. The Bible says that new every morning, Lamentations 
3 and 23, new every morning are God's mercies or God's grace. In other words, God presses the refresh button every morning on your life. It's new. But so often we try to borrow the trouble of tomorrow and bring it into today. And that's why you're frustrated. That's why things don't work. That's why nothing seems to come together. Because God doesn't give you grace for tomorrow's trouble. You'll get the, that tomorrow along with the trouble. Amen? There will always be enough grace. There will always be enough mercy for everything that you go through today. Today. Please, please do not stop it. Stop your fussing and worrying and fretting and complaining and, you know, I'm just getting frustrated talking about it. Stop it. There will be fresh manna tomorrow. Amen. You'll have enough tomorrow. You have enough today. So let's trust God. And know that God will keep us and God will be with us. And let me say this, that if we can maintain the same spirit, the same enthusiasm, the same positivity, the same generosity that we had from December to January, if we can maintain that from January to December, you get that? We will have an awesome 2017. Amen. And finally this morning, principle number four, God is faithful. God is faithful. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 4, faithful is he who has promised. Okay. So faithfulness is dependent upon keeping promises. And we don't keep promises very well. We make promises that we don't keep and we make promises that we can't keep. Our lives are strewn with the debris of broken promises. You remember back in 1990, some of you were alive. Back in 1990, a group called the Promise Keepers came into being. And basically, what their premise was, was in order to serve God, in order to be faithful to their families, to their spouses, and to their God, they had to keep promises. They had to make promises and they had to keep promises. You see, faithfulness is based on keeping promises. Faithful is he who has promised. We can't keep promises. We try. We make promises, we break them. We make promises, we break them. And so the truth is, we're not very faithful. We really aren't. 
even the best of you. We aren't to be faithful. But you need to understand this morning, as we go into 2017, with great expectation, with great anticipation, with great joy for what God is going to do, that God will keep his promises. There is one who keeps his promise. There is one this morning who is faithful. There is one whom the prophet Isaiah saw coming out of Basra, whose garments were dipped in blood. There is one this morning who walks into the difficult places of your life, who walks across the troubled waters of your disappointment. There is one this morning that we heard about from our pastor on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning who is above all. There is one this morning who comes to us with nail scars in his hands. There is one this morning who is above all. There is one this morning. He is the Lion of Judah who breaks every chain and gives us the victory again and again. His name is Jesus, and he is faithful. He's the faithful one this morning, and he'll be with you. He was faithful yesterday. He is faithful today, and he will be faithful to forever and ever. Let's stand together and praise him as we sing, Faithful One. So unchanging.